What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to this very special episode of TFL Podcast. Podcast. Podcast, yeah, our new podcast, our car podcast. And we've got a very special guest. Say hello to uh, Moto Man from Moto Man TV. Hello, Roman, and hello, TFL viewers and, and listeners. Now, last time you were on this podcast, we were very popular. We were very popular because we hit on a nerve, apparently, of... Where are all of the different car manufacturers going? And we got a lot of good insight from everybody. Yeah, and today we're actually doing something I think that's just as interesting. We're going to be answering a basic question, which is, should you buy a new car now or wait? But in order to answer that question, I've got a really cool list here of the top 10 cars, Motoman, that are selling over sticker by how much and which ones are the most expensive. You're kind of leaving or sandbagging the audience, I should say, because you're not telling them that we're going to have a discussion about the economy as well. We are. We are going to talk about the economy because, look, I think um, this is an interesting time. You know, there's that Chinese proverb, right? <laughs> interesting. Yes. Whenever someone says interesting to me, I don't say that. I think of that as good. No, it's probably not good. <laughs> it probably is not good yeah. indeed. Uh, so let's, um, let's start with this list. Uh, because I think people are interested in what cars yes. are selling for. Um, but before we start with the list, let's talk about what it used to be like to buy a car. Because the thing has completely turned out. A head. regular car or something special? Just any car in America at one point. Now, let's not. Let's put the Porsches okay, and the Lamborghinis. Okay, put aside the GT3s and that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. It was very simple. You let's say for the sake of discussion, I was looking for. A sedan, which right. people don't want anymore, but back in the day they did. A Honda, a Honda Accord, Accord exactly. or a Nissan Altima, yeah. or a uh, Toyota Camry. Yep. If I wanted to buy one of those cars... Pre-COVID. Pre, pre-virus, normal times, I would, A, I would go and I would drive all the cars. Because that dealer had them. Dealer had them. Yeah. I would drive the car, and then I would decide which car I'd want, and then I would either go and beat up the dealer or have the dealer beat me up. Or if I was somebody that, frankly, was a member of Costco, I would go and try to get a quote through Costco. And through one of those avenues, you would end up on a car like an Accord, an Altima, and a Camry. You'd pay about $100 over invoice. 
That's usually what they were selling those cars for. So if MSRP, let's let's just say it's an Accord. Let's say MSRP was thirty-five, which is a fair number for an Accord. You were getting about eight percent off the car, five to eight percent, depending on which model of car. If you got the one that's got all the fancy stuff, you're getting eight percent off. If you get the one that's the twenty-one thousand dollar price leader, you got about five percent off. And I, th- I suppose it depended on how picky you were, right? How if you were very picky about the features and the colors, then well, you let's might- be honest. If you're buying a Camry, you're not picky about anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ouch. I'm sure there are a lot of people here who think the Camry is, or their Accord, is their dream car. and So, so they... is their blender in their kitchen. <laughs> All right. Uh, but anyway, if you weren't picky and if you were like, hey, I'm cool with this color versus that color, mm. then you could actually do really well and you felt like you got a deal mm. and you felt like you know you could put that thing to bed for the next few years until now, it was time to, to get the next to complicate things, there were, there were times when you'd have like – you and I go on these drives, yes. and you and I always drive the fancy one. They never bring a, right, the, the most basic expensive one for with us. all the with bells everything. and whistles, yeah. even with Camrys that were thirty-eight thousand dollars with a black roof and the exactly. sport wheels. But the car no one buys is the one that has nothing in it. It's usually the middle model that has all the volume. So what the car manufacturers do is they artificially lower the supply of the fancy one, so they don't have to put a lot of incentive on it. But then the cheap one, the one nobody wants, like I'll make it up a Honda Pilot two-wheel drive front wheel drive with no tv screens in the back no one buys that car so the one that they have on the lot not only can you get it a hundred over invoice but honda adds what's called trunk money they put money in the trunk meaning they give money to the dealer to sell the car so let's say the sticker was i'll make it up thirty-five thousand dollars for that car but you could end up driving it away for 26 that's another aspect of it and this is what people got used to. Very much used now, to. Now, some people did pay a um, sticker, but usually most people, you know, because there were those giant blow-up men at the, you know, it's Toyota-thon, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the American way. You got to get a deal. You can't sit there and just lay down and pay what they're asking for. And, and then the manufacturers would also do their own financing. And so you could get pretty cheap financing or pretty easily attainable well, that, financing. That gets into a large, I mean, if the audience that knows me knows I am a major Dave Ramsey, no-debt Nazi. And this will get into a larger part of that discussion later on down, down okay. to this discussion. But I'm saying, there were also absolutely you know, financing and that, frankly that's what helps sells car i sells cars excuse me but i would argue and this is a little bit off topic that brands like lincoln the only reason they still exist is because of captive finance companies within their manufacturer hmm. if there wasn't a captive finance company that was providing cheap leases or cheap subvented um rates on 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 the loans you wouldn't; those cars wouldn't exist anymore because people don't say, "Oh my God, I'm going to spend eighty-five thousand dollars on a, on a Navigator, <laughs> or yeah, fifty grand on a Corsair." They're just not excited about yeah. it. Yeah, There's so true. many other choices. The only reason why, at least I believe, someone goes in and buys a Corsair is because it's three seventy-nine a month. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, yeah, and it's got all the stuff they want, and then they're like, "Hey, this this car will do." Even though it's a gussied up Ford Escape. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it makes sense. I, 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 I think I agree with you. Yes. All right. So that's the way it used to be. And then COVID happened. And then, um, of course, the world turned upside down. Uh, and More ways uh, than one. Yes. Yes. And inventory dried up. Uh, and you had all kinds of supply chain issues. And manufacturers were no longer able to build cars because of not just supply chain, but chip and worker issues. And all of a sudden, cars became very expensive 
expensive. In fact, uh, not that long ago, you could pay more for a used car than you could for a new car. That was not unheard of. Actually, now you still can pay more Depends for a used on the, car. But it's the, the used car market. Should we give the audience a little bit of backstory on how it, the manufacturers, some of this is self-inflicted? I would love that. Let's go for okay, it. So okay, let's, so my background, as you know, I was in tech for many years. Yep. Worked for Apple for many years. Worked in the mobile internet many years. And you can imagine chips are a big part of this. Yes. And you hear even the salesman at the car dealership, oh, there's a chip shortage. I guarantee he probably can't give you a lot of the detail of it. You know, I, I, I can't even, I've heard like number. here's something I can't even pin down, Motoman, mm. right? This is, this is. I, I was like, I've heard every anywhere from there's a couple hundred chips to a couple thousand chips in a car. I don't even know how many chips are in a car. Well, it depends I, on the car, and some of the manufacturers are doing some very interesting accounting, okay. shall we say, of the chips. Like, for example, Porsche. When they engineered the Porsche Taycan, it was always engineered to have an electric steering wheel adjustment. Well, they can't get enough chips, so they went and re-engineered the steering wheel now where it has a manual adjustment because they don't want to waste chips to make the steering wheel move. So l- let me ask you this. Uh, right now we have uh, on loan a Hummer EV. Yes. And I was driving it. That probably has 85,000 chips. It probably has a lot of chips. But here's something interesting. So this truck costs $110,000. Wow. You got a discount from the 112. No, no, it's not. It's GM. So mm-hmm. It belongs to General Motors, uh, or maybe 112. So or whatever. It's expensive, right? Uh, and I'm driving it, and I'm like, uh, it's pretty cold out. So let me put the window up. Yeah. It doesn't have auto up. In a hundred twelve thousand yeah. vehicle. So, so I'm thinking, why would it not have auto up? And the only reason I can come up with is because you need a chip to have that auto up. Well, so that's more of a relay thing. That's not a you chip. Don't, you don't thing. think that's a chip thing? It's a, it's it's how it the the circuit completes for it to go auto up or just. Uh, operate either wherever you want to stop it. As far it. as I know, it doesn't have a Because it's a detent that, that completes the relay in order for the thing to go up. And when, when we bought our ZR2, yeah. it had the button for the heated steering wheel, but the button did not function. That would be a chip issue. Okay. Anyway, so what we were saying before was we were going on the sort of what happened. Yep. Part of this, not very few of this, very very few issues related to this is self-inflicted, but one of these is, and it's a matter of I like to say, do you have balls the size of pumpkins? Okay. And most car companies didn't in March of 2020. Like most businesses, you're like, oh my God, I've never seen anything like this happen. Governments are telling us we can't go anywhere. We don't understand what's going to happen with the economy. So most companies, obviously publicly held companies, they have to give certain guidance about where they're sure. going. So they're looking at this, and they're not just saying we have to give guidance to the market. We have to give guidance to our suppliers. So they said, you know what? All bets are off. We said we're going to have a boom year this year. Forget it. We're cutting all of our guidance in half. So they went from a 17 million run rate for U.S. car sales, and it would obviously be more for other parts of the world too, but 17 million have decided to cut it in half. Well, that's not just going to analysts at Wall Street in the city in London. It's going to the manufacturer, excuse me, the uh, the chip suppliers, all of the suppliers for tires, all that kind of stuff. That and whole say, secondary market. Exactly. And they yeah. say, guess what? We, we said we need this much for 2020. Instead, we did this much. The tire people... They literally, they get screwed because who else is going to buy their tires? The guys who are selling leather, who else is going to buy all that leather? The chip manufacturers. That's kind of like doing a deal with a mob. They said, number one. We'll sell it to Sony. They're, it's literally like the, the, the five crime families because there's only a couple of different chip that can do fab. In the, in the world of technology, there's something called fab. And this is semiconductor fabricators. And what they do is they create chips 
that are designed by companies like Apple, Samsung. Actually, Samsung also makes their own chips as well. And there's basically a, hand, a handful of these companies. One of the reasons why Taiwan is such a global political question right now is the largest semiconductor fab in the world is Taiwan Semiconductor. Now, granted, they've said they've changed some of their industry and they're doing some of it uh, manufacturing in Arizona. But the car, all the car manufacturers, it wasn't just General Motors or Volkswagen. Every one of them said, we're cutting our guidance. And the chip manufacturers, unlike the tire people, said, well, are you sure you want to do this? And the manufacturers said, yes. And then the, 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 the fab people went back to them and said, you realize if you take this capacity out, we're going to fill it with somebody else. If you change your mind, it will be years before you get that capacity back, that manufacturing capacity back. And they said, we're sure none of this is going to happen. Sure enough, sales not only continued, it spiked. But by that time, all of the semiconductor manufacturers offered that capacity to the Apples of the world, to the Samsungs of the world. And they took it because everybody was buying TVs. Everybody was buying hey, Everybody's home, right? What are you going to do? You want a new TV or at home and you're stuck. Exactly. You want a new computer because now you're Zooming. So all of the car manufacturers had to go to the back of the line oh. and wait for that capacity. Okay. So and here we are two years later, over two years later, and it's just starting to trickle back. But Ford, just this week, gave the guidance of we're still going to have a hard time delivering cars. They had something like 10,000 Ford vehicles that are still sitting, not fully manufactured, can't be shipped to dealers because they're missing chips. Hmm. So anyway, that's the backstory. Yeah. And the other thing that I read, I believe, is that the chips in the auto industry aren't the newest and the greatest. They use like chips that have been around a long time because they have to have uh, a certain amount of durability that they're not sure about the newest chips. This is it depends on the application, but yeah. yes, for the most part, it is older because everything has to be redundant. Think of it like we talked about airplanes last time we got together. Yep. You have uh, you have two electrical systems, two fuel delivery systems. In a car, it's more about mission critical, so you can't have the latest, like the A15 or A16 bionic chip they just introduced on the I14, excuse me, iPhone 14. You can't have that. And frankly, they don't really design their own chips. It's somebody else doing that. I would argue, I mean, this is kind of, we're kind of getting off, off the plantation a little bit here, but if the car manufacturers were smart and they learned from this lesson, they would band together and they would create their own company that is nothing but a fab that supplies chips only to the car manufacturers. Yeah, so and if they were smart, they would put the manufacturing in the U.S. and Western Europe and cut off China. So a year ago, we did the story about all these Chevy, or maybe they were GM vehicles that were sitting in this parking lot. And the parking lot, ironically, was uh, that of the old chip factory that GM owned that they yeah. shut down. Yeah. <laughs> they were now using the store vehicles that they couldn't sell yeah. or ship because they didn't have chips. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And Ford, Ford I, I take my hat off. You, you know I'm not a Ford guy, but I take my hat off to Ford for the way they run their business. And Jim Farley, I've, I not only think he's a good car guy, but he's a good businessman, and he's upfront. He's willing to disclose a lot of this. And the fact that he's disclosed that he's got a number of these very, very popular vehicles that he can't deliver to dealers because some of the components aren't finished yet. Mm. And then, of course, this is not the... Just We're like, talking Broncos, Mavericks. Exactly. Lightnings. They've been, uh, again, not a Ford guy, but they've been very focused. They're, very, they're not wide anymore. They're very deep. Um, but before we press on to the list, I also want to just give the disclaimer here. 
the chip thing is a big issue. Well, there are gonna, other large issues. I just want to say the chip one was more self-inflicted. We're That's gonna, why I brought we're it We're not going to do this list like all in one go. So we'll keep talking, but let me kind of sprinkle these cars in. Let's do it. Uh, so at number 10, this is an interesting car. And actually, we just came from a Mercedes program here in Denver. We did. Yeah, and we'll talk about that in the next episode. Yes, we will. So stay tuned next week. Come back next week for, I think, will be a very insightful conversation about... We're probably going to get into an argument. We are. We might, yeah. yeah. Anyway, number 10 on the list is the Mercedes-Benz GLB, which we actually drove, but we drove the EQB. Yes, right? we drove the EQB. The electric version of it. And that yes. is n- that. there's no embargo on that. That's the dealerships right now. We can talk about that if you want yes. to talk about that, which we can. But the GLB... Well, Tommy and I drove that one in Germany. Yes, exactly. Yes, we did. So the GLB um, is the gasoline-powered one. Yes. Uh, and it is selling at 19% over sticker. Now, this list came from uh, iccars.com. Mm. They compiled it uh, at a 7,650 uh, additional market adjustment. Which is what so where thinking. are they getting that information? Is it is it self-reported or is it something they're actually I getting think, transactions I th- from insurance companies? What are they doing? I think I would be lying if I told you where. I don't know. Okay, so we'll take it on good faith. Okay, it's a, good a recent IC Cars analyst of 1.9 million new car listings found the average new car vehicles priced at 10 percent above. Oh, so these them. are listings of cars Price, that are on offer, offer, not so much transaction exactly, prices. Yes. Okay, so let's call this. This is the ask. This is the ask. This yeah. is the ask. So so on average, the Mercedes. GLB is being asked or sold. I shouldn't say sold for because it's not being sold. It could be sold for a discount. But according to these guys, 19% over sticker. So this is a good point for you and I to give this. You and I agree on something. We discussed this at lunch. Let's give this disclaimer. At no point is it a good idea to pay over sticker for any car, whether it's a GLB or a Z06. No, no, no way. You will never get that money back, period, the end. Yeah, yeah, I guess – well, that's another thing that's happened, right? So uh, there are cars like, for instance – uh, the Lightning that we recently purchased, yes. right, where they are selling way over stickers. So a lot of people who are, uh, you know, either wealthy or smart or think they're smart are buying vehicles and flipping them, right? That's become but not just Ford, dealers. again, another reason why I respect Ford, they've put a restriction. You can't sell that car until two years or something No, like not that. the Lightning. You can, you can, the Lightning's yeah. on that list? Yeah, no. Not maybe a, because you're maybe, special. Maybe, no, you maybe, don't maybe, have to. Maybe what they did was, uh, um, so the first batch was 50000 mm-hmm. uh, As far as I know, there are no restrictions on the first mm-hmm. batch. So it could be that the next, you know, the next year allocations – uh, those might have some kind of a – and if you guys want to fact check us, please Yeah, do. why don't you guys fact check us because yeah. we've got a guy at the airport who yeah. just got one. Yeah. And he had to sign a document with – and it's not with a dealer. It was with Ford. You can't sell the car it for could, two years. So I'd love to know it from could be the, It could be the 2023s. Ours is a 2022. Yeah, I, you see what I'm saying? I don't pretend to be a Ford expert. The one you, thing, you're the Ford expert. The one thing I do know is if we're talking about the Hummer EV, uh, GM uh, just basically made uh, the customers, which is weird because it should – why are they putting the – you know, onus on the customer. Shouldn't it be on the dealer? But anyway, they made mm. the customer sign an agreement that if they resell it within six months, they will avoid their battery warranty. Not the warranty on the entire vehicle, mm-hmm. but the mm-hmm. battery warranty. Aren't they doing something similar with a Z06? A I Z-06? think it's very similar, yeah. Z06, yeah. So, which I think is also weird that they're basically 
telling their customers, not their dealers, because let's face it, the first point of contact with these cars is always going to be the dealership. Mm -hmm. So if any, I'll give you an example. Okay, I'll give we you know we have a Bronco, right? Mm. Uh, you still have the Bronco. We still, yeah, we sold it, everything else, but you got the Bronco. We, we held on to the Bronco, yeah, because we need a good off-roader, uh, and so we needed a car to use as a comparison. And by the way, we will be doing a video. I'm a little worried about it because we're going to go up a pretty hard trail. We just got a Hummer EV from GM, like I said, and we're going to compare it to the Bronco tomorrow. I'm excited to drive it because I haven't driven one. <laughs> I'm terrified to take it off-road. $112,000 truck. Anyway, <laughs> and a wide truck at that. So uh, when I went and picked up this Bronco from the dealership, right? Yeah. I was just kind of curiously asking the salesman if he's got one on order. And he said, yes, he had five of them on order. Because he wasn't sure. He, this is what he told me, what color he wanted. And you know what that is, right, Motorman? That is the dealership having their salespeople order five, oh God, yeah. five Broncos that they will then never take delivery of the salespeople, but then they will resell. So I, I find it weird that GM is going after the actual end customer and not trying to control the dealership, mm -hmm. which is – I'm not saying all dealers are going to do this, but – my gut would tell me that most dealers are mm -hmm. going to find ways around this and are going to find ways. To, and we can have this long discussion about whether that's cool or not, mm -hmm. right? Because we do live in a free market society. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know. If, I do take my hat off to them in trying to contain people doing some profit taking. Like, for example, uh, Ford. Let's go back. I'm not, people are going to think that I like Fords with all this Ford talk. You are, yeah. You're but very Fordy today. I'm very Fordy today. So as people, if people have seen my show, I featured a car on our show, a Ford GT, a 2024 GT. Now, um, we had gotten that car through the original program of you have to apply yep. and you have to show why you are worthy of the car. That's the John Senna. Yeah, we were awarded the <laughs> we car. We could talk about that too. We couldn't sell the car for two years. The car then subsequently has been sold after owning it for two years. But to do that, that was a great example of how to perfectly manage people doing the profit taking. Right. So, what But it, think how much work that is for the car manufacturer. I look at this idea of like limiting the warranty. That's just short-circuiting the process. And ultimately, I think they're going to shoot so, themselves in the foot. So let's talk about this because I do want to do this little aside. So the way that Ford sold, and it's still selling the GT. So let's face it, they're still selling it. You they're, had, they're basically at the end with those. Yeah. Yeah. But they're still, they're still being delivered. People yes, are still, they are still yeah. being delivered. Yep. So basically the way that it worked is you basically had to apply mm -hmm. to Ford to be able to purchase one of those cars. And I believe they were worth 300 k Am I wrong? They started at three fifty, and okay. by the end, like the car we got was $660,000. So, so you would go to But Ford. that was with a $115,000 Heritage livery paint job. Beautiful. Only color that's painted in-house at Magna. Really? Well, the rest of them were painted elsewhere. And they're built in Canada at Magna. Magna. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so they're effectively Canadian cars. Uh, and Magna, one of our sponsors. So thank you, Magna. Thank you, Magna. <laughs> Larry, good man. <laughs> they sponsor yeah. our, our truck and EV channel. So how cool is that? Anyway, um, people don't know, but Magna builds a lot of really cool cars, including the G-Wagon. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. BMW in Austria. Z4, yeah. some Porsches. They make the uh, dampers in your, in your, what is that? GM with the, the Z something, Z71. Okay. What pickup truck did you just sell? Oh, Z, uh, ZR2. ZR2. They make the dampers in that. Okay. So um, um, you had to apply, and then the criteria was, were you somebody that was either famous or an influencer or had some kind of you know following of some sort? Or did you have a collection of Fords? Or did you have a collection that of Fords? That actually helped you a lot. Bought other, you know, you had to show that you had, yep. like Ferrari did that too, right? Yep. Especially on some of the special Ferraris you had to have owned multiple Ferraris to even be eligible. Ferrari is very different, though. Let's, let's put a Ferrari side. Yeah. All right. Ford is more on, on, on our world than Ferrari is. So anyway, so one of those people was John Senna. 
Um, you know, the guy, former, wrestler or something like that. Yeah, mixed martial. Was he mixed martial? Art? No, he was. One of those things. He was just like a regular wrestler, right? Uh, like you yeah. know, WWE. WWE. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So and now he's a big movie star. So he bought one and then he flipped it right away. Mm-hmm. And then Ford sued him. And he lost. And he lo- no, he won. No, he lost. They got the car back. You sure? I thought he Positive. won that lawsuit. No, they got, he got the car back. Well, they got the car back. Really? Mm-hmm. I thought he won that lawsuit. Mm-mm. Anyway, so that he was one of the people who, who immediately flipped it, and this is the process that Motorman is talking about. Yes. Uh, and now GM is trying to do something similar. But it's labor-intensive. Uh, yeah, it is. Very labor-intensive. Where, where and with, the, with the Ford GT, it doesn't matter. There's not I that many. I think Ford is doing – they're trying to do a lesser version of it with the, F, with the uh, Lightning and yeah. some of their other cars. In order to again keep people from flipping the cars, so, so the actual end. So should they be doing this, or should they not? Should they just? I think be... on certain cars they should. Really, I really do. You're not a free market because, guy. No, I am a free market yeah. guy. I'm a big believer in hey man, if if the market demands it and they're willing to pay, then sell it to them for what they want. But what I'm starting to see is, and I learned this sadly the hard way, with the GR Corolla. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm very excited about the Toyota GR Corolla. Like. Sure. Like Great car. A car I want. And yeah. I'm not, they're usually not my kind of car. Yeah, especially the, what's the top edition? The, the Morizo. Morizo, yeah. The extra 20 yeah. pounds of torque makes all the difference in the world. <laughs> and that Car's carbon badass. fiber, yeah. I love that <laughs> Roof, car. yeah, it's cool. So, so they got the three versions. They got the, they got the, K, the base, base, the circuit, the core, the circuit, and the Morizo. And so we went to the thing where, yeah. they, where they launched it in Long Beach. Yep. That episode did really well for me. Mm-hmm. Then they showed us the Marizo at that Toyota Palooza thing they do every year in, in Dallas. Yep. And that episode did well for me. So here we finally get to drive the car. I'm super excited. I'm thinking, man, I'm going to get tons of views. Nobody watched the episode. Yeah, we had very few people watch ours. I don't know why that I was. I saw. And yeah, so just, you know what I did? Fell I, flat. I put up a, a, um, a poll yeah. on my YouTube channel and I said, why did you guys not watch this episode? And I gave them a couple of choices. Choice one was, I'm not interested in the car. Choice two was, there were too many episodes the day you launched it because it was the embargo. Yep. And choice three was other and let me know. Yeah. 40% I'm not interested in the car. 40% there were too many episodes. And then all the comments were, I'm not interested in this car because I'm never going to be able to get it because it's going to sell for over sticker. That's fascinating. That really is. That's, and that's fascinating. And it's I, killing a great car. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, or at least the excitement of a great car. So they will sell every one of them the next. Look here, here, here's kind of my thinking on this. All right, um, we, we've had a Hummer EV on order now for a long time because of one. Of, we didn't order it, but one of our viewers ordered it, mm-hmm. and then he said, "You want it?" And like with the Bronco, we said, "Yes, we want to buy it, and we'll do it as a charity." Uh, Shout out, we'll buy it, and then you know you pick the charity, and we'll thank you. Yeah. For, and 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 uh, it was built like four months ago, and it's been sitting in I guess Detroit for a long time, and we don't know what's going on with it. So, so I, I haven't talked here locally, or somebody. Uh, it was through a local dealer, but I haven't talked about it because I didn't know what the situation was. So I hate to overpromise and then underdeliver. Yeah. So I'd rather not talk about it. So totally understand. So so and then I was thinking to myself, you know, this car is one of those cars that's not really a a vehicle that truck, I should say. This truck is one of those trucks that not people people don't need this thing. They want it, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of competes in my mind directly with like a G wagon, right? It, it becomes a toy. Oh, completely. You see what I'm saying? And so I'm thinking to myself, if it's a toy, and for whatever reason people are ordering them, and it's taking a long time. Now this is you know this thing was originally ordered over two years ago. Mm-hmm. At what point do people just kind of throw up their hands? 
and say to themselves, you know what, instead of getting the, the Hummer EV, I'm going to just forget it. It's taking too long. I'm going to get myself a G-Wagon. I'm going to get myself a, a, a GT3. Or You know what I'm saying? There's a, a lot of cars that you could get that are toys that, 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 that now start to compete against it. It's not so like a you little can... bit behind the scenes. This yeah. is where we get into some of the economics of the car business. Yeah, um, yeah GM has created a toy. The G-Wagon continues to this day because it is a toy. As a matter of fact, the granular details of the way the, the locks sound on that G-Wagon. Oh, I know. It's incredible. They kept it, That's old technology. They kept it in there because people buy it because of that sound. Yeah, vault-like would be the these best. Are, exactly. So these are the kind of things that are very – they're outliers of their, of their customer base. So when you're in a situation where you're running a car company and you're getting a finite amount of chips to build the cars – you start saying to yourself, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to make a lot of money on these $112,000 uh, trucks, Hummers. Yep. But guess what? I might make $10,000 on that one car because that car is probably very expensive to build. I guarantee you they lose money on those things, the overall project. However, if I were to take the chips that that thing requires and put them into the Escalade, which I'm going to sell – 25000 a and year, make money on. I'm going to make $15,000 a copy guaranteed. Which one am I going to do? Escalade. That's what's happening. Uh. And this is me reading the tea leaves. Right. No one has told me this is the case, but it's pretty easy to see that's what these guys are doing. So they're willing to walk away from a sale because, A, they're losing money on the thing. Yeah. And, B, it doesn't matter because they could put those chips into a vehicle that they're going to exactly. make money on. Go to any go to any car manufacturer and try to buy their cheap. Right, car. Well, We're not going to sell it. To well, you. that opens they don't care. that opens up another question for me, and I want to ask you this. All right, um, usually in the past, and we can talk about this in the context of Porsche going public, right? Mm-hmm. Which it is going to go public. Twenty ninth. Yeah, uh, or Ferrari going public, which it went public Happened a, few, a couple of years ago. A few years ago, right? Um, it used to be that that these very um, I'm going to call them niche car companies, right? Mm-hmm. Were very strong brands, but didn't make you know. A lot of money because they didn't sell a lot of cars, right? Yeah. Ferrari did not. But over the last two years or three years, that has completely flipped on its head. You've got companies like T- Tesla now that now they're manufacturing. I think it's almost a million units. But before yeah. before they were doing this, right? They they were tiny in terms of manufacturing scale compared to Toyota or Ford or GM, and yet their market cap was much higher than any of the traditional car well, there's companies. There's two different things going on right. there. Explain, so, please. Porsche. I would argue the Porsches of the world. Old world car manufacturers, they started becoming very profitable. Small volume car manufacturers started becoming very profitable in the early 2000s because they found the SUV. The Cayenne. Good, bad, or yeah. indifferent. You and I don't really agree with that, but that's how they started making money. And then you started seeing a guy like Elon come into the car business. And I'm a tech guy. I'm one of the few people that do what we do that has a huge amount of respect for Elon, even though I'm not a huge Tesla car fan. And that's where we get into the second issue. Even though Porsche is printing money, they literally <laughs> are the most profitable car company in the world. Their valuation is nowhere near what a Tesla or a Rivian is because they're valued as an old world or middle technology company. A legacy company. Exactly. So right now, and this is probably getting a lot of inside baseball, they've had to price their IPO somewhere between 75 and 82 euros. That's probably half what it would have been if they did it a year ago. Because the market is putting downward pressure on the overall value of a profitable middle technology company where you look at Elon's company or you look at Rivian from their internal investors because not exactly the situation, same situation. But you look at uh, a te- Tesla 
and their valuation is 20, 30, 40 times their P&E is 20, 30, 40 times. And you just, you can't, there's no way you can get back to reality when you're paying 30 times earnings to get your money back. You're always going to lose money if you're an investor. There, there's, there's a saying, like, uh, it came up, this is where I learned it, with Tiger Woods, right? Where you love the game but hate the player. I kind of feel the same way about yeah. Mr. Musk. You know, the guy, what he accomplished and he's accomplishing is incredible. As a person, I just do not like the man. Well, good, bad, or indifferent, he's been able to get this com- people to continue to think right. his, his you, company you, you as could, a tech company. But you can separate the two. You can separate the game Two from the things player. can be true at once. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Bill Cosby... His comedy was very funny. But as a human but being, as a human being, he was not great. He's a disgusting human being. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's, two things can be true, true at once. Yeah. Probably a very graphic example. Yes, you went, <laughs> you went there. You, you did go there, but yeah. um, I went to, uh, you know, Tiger Woods. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> great golfer. Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's stay uh, with, that's, with that's a good cigar, man. So we like Michael let's Jordan. Let's stay with, yeah. the, with the sports analogy. Anyway, uh, so that's interesting. Yeah, so what you're saying is... Um, the stock market is valuing Tesla, and I'm, I'm going I'm to refine this the way that I heard it. They're, they're, they're defining them as a technology company, whereas they're defining uh, Porsche and Toyota and GM as – and then let's face it, the, the margins tech, on, the, on, these, on these legacy companies is very yeah. well known, right? We know how much profit. It's, yeah. it, they've been doing it for 100 years. To boil it down to even more basic rule level, just understanding of basic – of buying and selling a company. Let's say for the sake of discussion, I want to come and I want to buy Road Chaser from you. Right. Okay? The way I'm going to value your business is what did you make over the past three years? And then what is, what's the liabilities and what assets do you have? I'm going to subtract your liabilities from your assets, and then I'm going to take an average of the three years' income, and I'm going to add that to the assets, and that's how I value your business. How about blue sky? No, no blue, blue sky? No blue sky. You give me any blue no, sky, no. Moto Man. Matter Come of on. Fact, no blue sky. Matter of fact, I'm not going to buy it unless you get rid of that guy, Nathan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Talk about blue sky. Actually, you know what? Get rid of the Russian, too, while we're at <laughs> all right. Um, but instead... This is like me coming in and saying, you know what? Because I like you, I'm going to pay you 30 times what you made on average the past plus, three years. Plus another, you know, 30 times for Blue Sky. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it, there's, no, there's no grounding in reality right. when you're valuing income. And, you know, I've, I've been through this rodeo before because I was in tech. I remember when Red Hat, if you can remember that I remember name, Red Hat, yeah. They were like 50 times earnings, and they didn't even have earnings, earnings. at that point. <laughs> so that'd be zero. 50 times zero is <laughs> yeah. still zero. Well, they had like they made like $2 a year. All right. $100. Okay. <laughs> Maybe right. I'm exaggerating. All right. Let's go back to this list. Back to the list. We'll ground you with this list. All right. Number yeah. eight. Um, this is also not surprising. The Chevrolet Corvette. Not at all surprising. 19.5% uh, over sticker, $14,697. Now, we have a lot of history on that one. Yeah. We can add some color to that discussion. Yeah, well, the Z06 is coming. That's the Z- be, and those, yeah. are, those are Oof. going way over sticker. Oh, way you over. and I both know somebody who's got one on order. Yes. Who's uh, that? Uh, Jack. Really? Yes. I did not know that. Jack has got one. Jack okay. was lucky enough to get one at MSRP. Right. So congratulations to Joe, our friend Jack. Congrats, uh, Jack. But Mark was too cheap to buy it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actually, you know what? I, I don't know if I should have said that. Anyway, forget that if you heard that. Anyway, so um, back in 2014, remember when the Z, the C7 came out? Mm-hmm. Those two were going over sticker. Same with the Z06. Those two were going over sticker. And within a year, we're talking the normal car times, normal go in and you negotiate. You know, anybody that knows Corvettes, Malcolm Connor Chevrolet, the biggest like Corvette dealer in the world, you could get a get them for practically nothing. But 
at that for that one year you were paying over sticker. And, and here's and then the cr- they all went down a year after, even the Z06. And, and here's the crazy part. The Corvette's been now out for almost three years. Crazy. And they're still selling over sticker. Yep. Still selling over sticker. A buddy of mine bought a used one over sticker, sticker. and his car didn't have the Z51. <sighs> can you believe that? Yeah. So I can believe it. I don't understand it, but I can believe it. The Corvette, there's two things, well, three things going on. Number one, it was a massive shift in what a Corvette is going from C7 to C8. So there's that. I think it was a moonshot, and it's such a good vehicle. Front engine, yeah, mid-engine. Exactly. Yeah. The demand is there because it's such it's that good of a product. Then number two, you've had, look at the price of everything. Competition, anything that's close to that is so much more expensive. And then number three, the world falling off a cliff. I would argue that the minute the world goes back on the cliff and things get back to normal, those cars become discounted. Yeah, because um, even the, Z06s. Yeah, they're not. They're not. They're not limited, right? There's no. They're like, not limited. There's no number that they're not going to build. And like I like to say that you know GM and Ford don't make money by not selling cars. Yeah. Whereas Ferrari makes money by not selling cars. To give you an idea, a Corvette they make twenty five thousand a year. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. about as rare as glass. Yeah, that's a lot. So, my prediction there: the minute things start to catch up, the C8. The, 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 the Stingrays will start to go down, mm. and they'll start to go below MSRP, and you'll start getting regular used car prices. The Z06 will follow about six months after that. So we just did a, you know, we just did a series, which you watched, thank you, called from uh, Your Stud. Your best series. From Stud I'm not to just t- saying this because you bought me lunch. Okay. <laughs> it's over at altfl.com from Stud to Dud, where we took three, actually four, uh, 90s convertibles and tried to figure out who built the best one. Was it the Germans? Was it the Americans? Was it the Japanese? Or was it the British? And... Um, you know, we wanted to buy a Corvette, uh, but surprisingly, uh, C4 Corvettes are still... That one you looked at was a pile of crap. Yeah, yeah but they're still dirt cheap. You can yeah. get a nice C4 Corvette, like you said, because they built so many of them for anywhere yeah. from on the low side for a crappy one, 8000 maybe 15000 Yeah. And C5s are maybe $5,000 over that. It's a lot of chair for the money. It is, but but compare that to a, a similar generational 911, and it's going to be you know four or nowhere, five times yeah, that. Nowhere close. Yeah, but the 911 is just it's that it's a better car. Yeah, but I'm just saying you, yeah. you, you can kind of see. Um, so let's keep going. I'm um, a little bit disappointed that the uh, the Z32 didn't fare as well in that in that stack up. Yeah, a little disappointed. Anyway, go on. All right, uh, number eight on our list, and here comes our first Porsche. Uh, the Porsche, and it's one of two on this list. Porsche Ty- uh, Porsche, sorry, Porsche Cayenne. Not a 911. No, not a 911 isn't actually on this list. Maybe it's too low volume. That's well, no, maybe they, they, worldwide they make twenty five thousand a year. Really? Yeah. What? How many U.S. Do you know? U.S. They probably wanted, and they did like a uh, thousand a month. So probably about half of that goes to the U.S. Okay. Yeah. So the Porsche Cayenne, nineteen point six percent over sticker, sixteen thousand seven fifty. Now I would not have expected the Cayenne uh, because let's face it, they're pretty. I hate to use the word common, but they're they're pretty common. You see a lot of them. You see them everywhere. Uh, old Cayennes, first generation yeah. Cayennes, those things sell for nothing, dude. Yeah. They're, if you if you see one over ten thousand dollars, run and run fast because you can get those things for like five to eight thousand yeah. dollars all day long. Because you get that problem where they're so complicated that you get upside down immediately. Yeah. So this is where we get into again inside baseball. So number one, Porsche in particular got hit very hard by the chips. Uh, number two, they also recently got hit by a strike in their plants. Oh. So they're having a problem. They, they were just getting around the chips, and then the strike hit them. And then 
Remember the boat that, that sank? Yeah, that's a lot that of Porsches. That was Volkswagen Group, and yeah. it was a lot of Porsches. Yeah. So they've had kind of and like a trifecta of bad news. And rebuilt news. those. Ones, the ones they did. That, yeah. Actually, a guy you and I both know yeah. got his car rebuilt. Yeah, he had to go rebuild. So I, this is not just people are buying them because of the virus. It's There's a lot of bad situation. This trifecta of bad I, luck hit Porsche in particular, which will bring the other one on the list as well. Wiring harnesses came out of the Ukraine. Not a great place so at the moment. So I, I recently, get this, I recently had uh, Bart Herring. Remember Bart Herring? Yeah. But ran product in the U.S. He now runs product and sales He's in Canada. They're grooming him to be one of the bosses of Mercedes. Super smart guy. Yeah, I like Bart a lot. Bart is good. Yeah, yeah, and he's, very honest. Yeah, sharp guy. Really. So I'm going to do a, a quick plug runner. for me. He's a, he's a runner. He's a runner runner, and he's a drummer. Yes. Um, A quick plug for me. I had his interview on my channel. You can go check that out, Moto Man TV. And he shared with me everything that was impacted by the Ukraine war. It's not just the wiring harnesses. Turns out there's a certain gas that's required to make chips. And like 80% of that comes from the Ukraine. Oh, gosh. Who would have thunk? Who would have thunk this? Yeah, who would have thunk? And he came up with this great saying, and I'll never forget it. He goes, over the past two years... I've learned to be thankful for the problems that I have. Yeah, yeah. True and that, that's man. the case here. Be yeah. thankful for the problems you got in the case of Porsche. All right. Um, so let's keep going because uh, this list is, uh, I wouldn't call it the people's cars, but they're not like, you know, they're not GT3s. Yeah. All right. At number seven, uh, we've got one of your favorite cars, I believe, the Cadillac CT5. 19.9%. Is it, are they differentiating a V or a Blackwing or anything like that? I'm just saying CT5. So... That would tell me that it's probably a basic car, which surprises that me. That would be surprising. I wonder if it is like a V, because I can't see a regular CT5 selling. Well, is I, it a V or a Blackwing? Don't I know. It, so let's, okay, let's look at this two ways. If it's just the Blackwing, duh. Yeah. Because what, did they make 500 of them last yeah, year? I know. In 2023, they're only going to make 120? Like, that's money in the bank. Let's say it's the CT5V, not the Blackwing. I'm going to take a stab in the dark here. How many choices do you have to buy... A sedan nowadays. You got a 5 Series. You got an E-Class. That's about it. You can buy the Audi. They have the same problem that Porsche has. There's probably less Audis than there are Porsches. You can buy a Camry or an Accord. No, I mean <laughs> oh, premium. rear-wheel drive, buy premium. premium. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Fair enough. So, I'm again, This is there's no guarantee here. Don't, don't go to Vegas on these numbers. I think this is a function of you don't have any competition anymore. Yeah, you know, um, it's funny. Uh, uh, plus when, the virus. Plus the virus. When we were talking um, to Toyota, right, they're going to, you know, double down on Camrys because they think that as time rolls on, there'll be fewer and fewer. And I, I think— Well, uh, Hyundai and Kia pulled the plug on their cars. So yeah, yeah. yeah. They were right. And Ford a long time ago. Let I me wanna, tell you something. If I'm going to bet, I'm going to always bet on Toyota. Yeah. It's like I, Wesley Snipes, always bet on black. Always bet on Toyota. And they're saying that, you know, they, they still see the sedan market in the hundreds of thousands— Annually. They're right. Yeah, and so as fewer and fewer people are companies, manufacturers are in that segment or mm-hmm. that space, you know, their car is going to become more dominant. I'm surprised Hyundai and Kia gave up. I am too, actually. You're they right, because Hyundai re- and Kia is doing really well right now. They're they just have not- amazing products in that segment, and they pulled the plug on really good product. And they were selling. Uh, maybe uh, EV6. Ionic 6, right? Those are sedans. You saw it in person. I didn't think it was very attractive. I'm, it's I'm weird. All, it's a weird car. Like, I'm it, holding judgment until I see it in person, it, it's but like you went there. The front's a little Porsche-like. 
the back's a little bit, uh, you know, infinity-like. It's yeah. a weird kind of. It's it's a kind That's of. That's what I don't like. It looks like a J30. It lo- the there's back. a little bit of I J30 in the, the back. J30. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but once again, it's a sedan. Yeah. You know, and it's a, more of a traditional sedan. Yeah. It's sort of kind of. It still has that yeah. uh, hatchback instead of the. So a huge disclaimer. I want to say here on the CT5. Yeah. The minute the virus problem goes away, that becomes a car you can get discounted. Well, Cadillac is also, you know, that's another company that's in this big transition from going, uh, oh, might as well talk about this now. I'm going to ask you this because this is I've been dying to get your opinion on this. Mm. All right. I really want to know what you think of this. Um, you know, we're, we're living through Yes, a t- New York City is better than Chicago. No, it's not. The, no, yes, it and is. yes, no, it's not. And the Chicago yes, pizza is. deep dish is much better. You than don't that, have than pizza. That, you have quiche. No, that's than, what it is. No, and, and you don't. You, you don't have pizza. You have crackers with tomato you sauce have on them. Quiche. <laughs> Which would you rather have? A cracker with tomato sauce. Any day. <laughs> All right. Here, here, so, okay. So back, back to the real. We're, we're living through this transition yes, right sir. now from. Internal combustion to electrification. Which and there are a lot discussion of discussion pe- for another day. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I want to get your opinion. There are a lot of people who think uh, that um, electric vehicles are being forced, which is true to some extent, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people think that um, electrification is going to save the planet, which it ain't. W- which we don't know. It ain't. Okay. So, so do you think that we should be. I'm not going to go forced. I'm not going to go forced, but certainly funding this transition by giving people rebates, or should it just be the market should decide which of the two technologies people want, or which of the two technologies suits people better? Where, where are you so, on that? So I've I've discussed this with many folks, yes, on camera, on the record, and I am a big believer that we should not be giving welfare to rich people. Okay. People that buy Tycons, people that the first, were the same people that the first people like, that like bought. Like our Hummer EV? Exactly. Actually, that doesn't they were qualify. The same, they were the same people that <laughs> were the first ones to buy the Prius. Yeah. They're the ones paying 10000 over sticker for Ionic 5s. There is no reason that the U.S. government should be giving them a tax credit for 7500 5000 2000 whatever it is. It should be what the market decides. And to answer your other question, which you left in the subtext there, yes, I do believe EVs are being forced down our throat. At least the pace of change is being forced down our throat. So I have a very simple belief. I believe that if you give people $7,000 toward a car, Mm -hmm. that car immediately becomes $7,000 more expensive. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so basically all you're doing is subsidizing. Well, there's that, there is that part as well. Yeah. I totally agree. That's where we get into the whole school debt debacle thing. But you see what yes, I'm saying, right? totally, totally Because like, like, there's a perfect example of that, and, and Ford will tell you that that is unfortunate timing. But, you know, the, 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 the week after they passed the latest bill, mm-hmm. uh, Ford upped the price of the Lightning by 7000 which which happens to be exactly how much money you would save. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, this might be a little political, but why is why why are colleges more expensive than they were twenty years ago? This is exactly why. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's keep going on this list. Uh, what's our next one here? Um, Jeep Wrangler Unlimited. That's you why would we know more about this than uh, me. Yes, I, I can actually speak to this hopefully intelligently. Twenty percent, eight thousand eight hundred seventy-seven. So what blew my mind, Moto Man, was when Jeep sold almost two hundred and fifty. Thousand units in one year of the Wrangler, not of the Grand Cherokee. Like recently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like two years ago. They sell that many? Two hundred and it was like two hundred forty-seven thousand Wranglers. I had no idea the volumes were that high. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like, and And they're not cheap vehicles. No, no, no. They're not cheap. And people only buy the Rubicon because not that they go off road, but 
if you're going to get one, you want the Rubicon, right? You want the Red Shocks. You want the Ralph Rubic- must be making a ton of money right now. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I love the brand, but out of all the vehicles, mm. this is a singularly focused off-roader, which means it's just unstoppable, incredible off-road. But on-road, it's not great, right? It's a brick into the wind. The seating position is straight up. You know, your windshield is straight up in front of is you. Is the Bronco better in that case? Yes, Bronco's better. Yeah, I think they, they learned that lesson. Mm. But nevertheless, so you've got this car that is not very comfortable and very, um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say daily driver friendly. Mm. And yet people are buying it as daily drivers because 99% of people aren't taking these things off road on a regular basis. You know, some aspire to it and some come out here and do it. Uh, but if you live in New York, you're not going to be taking it off road. Where are you going to take it off road? Or Florida, same thing, right? That's a stupid question. Again, I don't know a lot about the Jeep market like you do. Of 100% that are sold in the country, how many are actually taken off-road? Like I said, if... Everywhere, if not I, just New York. If I say 10%, I'm probably being high. Yeah, see, that's what I would think, too. Yeah, yeah, nobody's yeah. taking these things off-road. So, so, so is it worth the 20% over? So here's... Yeah, yeah, well, so here's what I think is happening, right? I think there's been a fundamental shift, and I think it's also generational, uh, in terms of what people want out of their car. So, we, we, you know, me and you have always wanted a car uh, that performed well for however we wanted to do it, uh, that was reliable, that was, I think, cost-effective for our lives, right? But now uh, vehicles have become much more of a, a statement of who you are as a person or who you want to be. You see what I'm saying? So it it doesn't it, like 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 you're not figuring in the stuff that we would figure in. What you're thinking about is you know how and I'm I'm holding. For those of you who are listening to this, I'm holding up my camera mm-hmm. on my phone and doing you know the typical selfie right mm-hmm. with with the Jeep in the background. This is what people want now, right? Uh, you know, look at me. I'm with my Jeep in wherever I'm at, mm-hmm. and I can share it and I can pass it along because I'm an outdoorsy, active person. And so Maybe lifestyle vehicles while we're at it right now we'll lifestyle it. vehicles have become much more dominant and much more predominant than than just the bread and butter kind of vehicles because let's some some people buy cars like toasters right like we said earlier they're just appliances that they mm. use to transport themselves but over the last maybe 10 years, there's been this fundamental shift where, mm. where the vehicle and what it says about you is mm. more important than what it does. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, and people heard my statements previously. Doesn't mean I'm I'm anti EV. I actually am a big proponent of EV, but not for the reasons that everybody is either being told or force fed through the governments and media. To me, I see it as it changes your daily schedule. It changes your lifestyle because you're no longer wasting time. Uh, looking for energy throughout the day. You go home, you plug it in, next day you get in the car and you go, and it's 100% on the go. You don't have to spend time looking for uh, refilling energy, wasting either five or 10 minutes. That's the reason why I like them. However, there's another benefit. I firmly believe that by having these different, which the industry refers to as skateboards, the platforms underneath them, you can make vehicles like this Hummer, or you can make... um, a reissue of, I'll make it up, a a, a scout. Because you've already put the development into a vehicle that underpins a mass market crossover. Guess what? I'm going to use the same stuff that I have underneath the ID4, and that's what's going to underpin the scout. So so here's, I think, where we are in agreement. And I think also that the 
politicization, politicization, I can't even yeah. say, of, of, of the electric vehicle uh, is doing a disservice because let, let, me, let, me, let me kind of give you this idea, okay? okay if, I were, if I were to come to you and I would say, I can, I can sell you a vehicle for a little bit more mm. than the vehicle that you're currently driving, mm-hmm. but there's going to be um, two huge advantages, okay? First and foremost, you can power it at home. So you never have to go to another gas station. Love that. Okay. And secondly, not only can you power it at home, but it's going to cost you probably on average 75% less than you're paying currently. I'm going to tell you I don't believe you because at some point you're going to jack the rates up on me once everybody makes this. But, but today it's, it's – Today it is. Yeah, but right? And, don't, and, don't, and then, don't buy that then, And then to depoliticize it, it's powered by hamster farts. Right? Hamster farts. Yeah, exactly. It's powered. Okay. I think most people, if you told them that, would be like, yeah, I want that vehicle. But because it's powered by electricity, then all of a sudden the conversation immediately turns political. And it's about whether I believe in climate change, whether I don't believe in climate change, whether, you know, 14-year-old kids are mining cobalt in Africa. There's all this other stuff that, like, gets thrown into it. But I'm saying as a technology, just mm-hmm. as a technology, if I were to say to you, you can have this vehicle – you can charge – the, the gas station becomes your home, and right now it's 75% less mm-hmm. costly mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. fill this thing up. And it mm-hmm. does everything that your current vehicle does, plus mm-hmm. it's an added benefit. It's a lot quicker. A so, lot quicker. So you bring up a good point there. Um, but hamster farts. But hamster farts. <laughs> no, <laughs> seriously. That's the problem. Hamster, hamster farts. Because what's happening – I... You mean giant factor hamster farming? <laughs> Might as well have Sasquatch the, farts in there while we're at all it. All the methane is coming out of the hamsters' butts. <laughs> okay, now we're really but, got, but, we're but, really going but, off but the think plantation about this, at this Think point. about this: if it's fired by hamster farts and you close your garage, you won't die. You can keep it running. You may you may sneak yourself. Yeah, but, but your you garage will smell like blue cheese at that point. <laughs> it will, yes. Okay, back to the topic at hand. Okay, Roman, let's focus All here. Right. It's funny. It's like no matter how old we get, <laughs> poop and fart jokes they still kill. That's just the reality of it. Anyway, back to the point that you brought up. I before you even posed that question to me, yeah. I answered it. Okay. I said to you. I love EVs, not because of the promise of hamster farts. I love it. I can't believe we're going off a tangent about hamster farts. Anyway, I love it because I don't have to waste time looking for energy. That everybody can buy into. The problem is governments, some OEMs that are being forced by the governments, and a lot of the media are selling you this idea of hamster farts are clean energy. And what they've done is we're going to put this entire industry on this track to move over faster than it should. And the way I like to describe it is we want us to make a jump, and we're on a dock, but the boat is over there, and they want us to jump over to the boat. Guess what's going to happen? We're going to end up in the water. So, so let's, How about we get the boat closer to the dock before we make the jump? I agree. Let's put a number. And that takes the politics out. Let's, of it. let's put some facts and a number to this, right? Happy to. Right now, 75%-ish of our energy that we use comes from coal. Non-renewables, basically. Yeah. And if you're in Alaska, it's 95. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so you're right. If 75% of the energy comes from, you know, not, not yes. from solar or wind yes. or geotherm or whatever, right? Yep. But from coal and oil and gas, right? Then you're... you're Geothermal is very cool tech, by the way. Very yeah, simple, Iceland. But very cool Did you tech. know that the reason that a lot of uh, aluminum is smelted in Iceland is because they have this enormous... It takes a lot of power to smelt. Yeah. And they have enormous amounts of energy in Fascinating Iceland. Fascinating technology yeah. to me, yeah. 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 Go on what you're saying before. Anyway, anyway um, so, so yeah, I agree. You're right. It's, it's A lot of that energy comes from non-renewables right now. Yeah. And 
what's happening oh, but is... There's, but there's one interesting thing, right? Yeah. So there's also this problem that people... Here's something that you probably know, but a lot of people may not know. Yeah. So the other argument you get is that we'll, uh, the grid can't support it, which may or may not be true. We, we don't know, yeah. right? We have, we have a really interesting... Uh, system here in America, and that is it's completely decentralized by these yeah. utilities, which are these pseudo-public, private organizations, right? Yeah. Uh, and there's hundreds of them, if not thousands of them, and so everyone is its own little fiefdom. So that's a whole other conversation yeah. that people never get into. But but, but um, did you know that when uh, the Model T was first built by Henry Ford, mm-hmm. there were no gas stations? None. Zero zip. Yeah, I mean, the infrastructure the, came the after. The infrastructure came after the car. Yes. So, so I, I think I have a strong suspicion that in this country, the same thing will happen with but electrification. But the issue is the issue is not the infrastructure. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll fix the infrastructure problem. Yeah. Uh, Elon, bringing our conversation full circle. Elon showed we can solve that problem. The problem is the grid. The grid can't support it. If we even hit five percent of the volumes the U.S. government and Brussels wants us to hit in EVs. We will become the dark ages. But I'm saying there, when the Model T came out, there was no grid. There was nothing. There, I get it, but there, that, there were people. That, you wait, don't need a grid in that case. There you, were, you know how it worked? There were people with like farms, right, that had farm equipment that used gas, and that's how they would. So it was farmers like. You but know, there saying, was already. Uh, so the infrastructure wasn't there, but the grid of refining oil was. That was already there. To some extent, yes, that to, was there. Exactly. To some you extent. Had it in, but you still you back still, in the day you, you still, had it in logistics. You still had to create the grid of getting the oil from the you know refinery to the gas station, which did not exist. So you had to still create that entire network of, mm. of you know, and that that's where like these oil companies became very wealthy. Yes. Right? Yeah. Anyway, but in the case, I, I talking, see what you're saying. You're, what it's a fair point. Yeah. What we're trying to do now is we're trying to thread the needle on seven different problems at the same time, and the reality is it doesn't take. 13 years to do that, it takes 35 years to do that, and government doesn't understand that. Like, for example... Well, government does it poorly. Do, government does everything poorly. <laughs> poorly and, exactly. And again, this is one of these things, let the market decide, and I would argue there are some car manufacturers that are better at this. And others, like, Toyota is not buying into this, everything's going to be electric by 2035, yes. and they're hedging their bets. Yesterday, I was... Um, I wish a car company besides Tesla would actually build out. Now, forget electrification. How about their own hydrogen infrastructure? Wouldn't that be cool? They're f- actually, the governments and OEMs are starting to admit that hydrogen infrastructure is good for over-the-road over trucking. Yeah, exactly. If, and at some point, which means they're setting the goal for that to be the case. Anyway, there's a point I wanted to make. It really, really, I would say, encapsulates what's happening here. I've got this old saying where don't bother me with the facts. My mind is already made up. That's the government. Yesterday, I think it was yesterday, I was watching, I think, NPR or something like that. And um, Rashida Tlaib, who represents where Ford is, Dearborn. So this woman, her biggest constituent is one of the biggest car manufacturers in the world. She is interviewing all of the heads of what I would say the five crime families, but all the investment banks. So she asks um, Jamie Dimon, who runs Chase and has run Chase. And by the way, he's Greek. Um, Great he, name, by the way. Yeah, Jamie Dimon, Dimon exactly. Yeah. Uh, she says, do, are you, have, do you have any uh, – uh, how did she say it? She goes, uh, are you, do you have restrictions on any of your investments in uh, creating new sources of petroleum, basically – we're creating new sources of oil. Mm-hmm. So she's saying, are you still investing in oil? And he says, no, and that would be a path to hell for this country if we did. 
Hmm. Finally, someone stood up to the government and said, your facts aren't lined up with what the reality is. And I took my hat off to him, and not just because he's Greek. Okay. <laughs> you sure? You sure it's not because you're, you're, yeah. you're Greek so as well? Here's this woman. She's spouting off this stuff that, yeah, it's great intentions, great intentions, but the reality doesn't match the intention. Well, in, here, okay, so the biggest problem with this conversation, and not, not our conversation, yeah. but the national conversation is it's so full of... Our conversation is great because yeah, it's Hampshire it, for us. It is good, yes. <laughs> it's so full of, like, misinformation. You know what I mean? There, there's There's so much on both sides of the spectrum, right, where where it's hard to get at, at the facts mm. because people... Because, well, media companies specifically have figured out that the only way you make a lot of money is by preaching to the choir. And getting people pissed off. And getting people pissed off. I was on a podcast. So you, you do one or two things. You, pre, you, you, like, you like justify or you reinforce their beliefs because that's what people want, right? Exactly. Or you, you point the finger at the other side and say, and look. You get them angry. And get them angry. That's the only way. I was on a podcast a couple of weeks ago in Canada, and we were chatting about this. And what I proposed, is, it, it, it sounds crazy simple, but it's super hard to pull off. You cut off the very extreme left and the very extreme right, and things start to happen again. I think this, that's effectively I, I, what we need. I think maybe that's happening right now, just naturally, because uh, you know, reading between the lines, it seems like that both extremes are now kind of um, on the way out, right? That, that I hope most so. most people just want politicians to be back. You know, I used to be a TV reporter, right? And it was very frustrating. Uh, uh, interviewing politicians because they would never say anything. It was just mm. you'd ask them a question, a very direct question, and they would basically just give you a non-answer. Yeah. And I, I just long for those days, right? I long, you know, just give me a politician yeah. who just, you know, you know, obfuscates. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, you know, and, and just cigars and interns in the, in the White House. <laughs> I, I'll go for that, too. Yeah. yeah. And hedges their bets. But, yeah. you know, just a normal politician, which I understand, versus the person then, you know, who has to compare everything to Nazis or, you know what I mean? Where it just goes completely like, like, like social As media who friendly. someone speaks German and studied German history, no one knows what a Nazi is anymore. Yes, I agree. I agree. Yeah, that 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 is a never true word spoken. All right, let's keep going down this list before we get too far down the Nazi yeah, rattle. This was supposed to be about paying over a sticker on cars, right. and this has become a debate on politics and hamster farts. And hamster farts. Please make that the title of this episode. Genesis GV70, twenty-two percent car, good, beautiful good. car, good, oh, and man, great driving it. car. I know. Yeah, that is a better experience in terms of driving than a BMW. Once again, Series. Hyundai, Kia, killing, just, it. Killing, just, it. Killing, killing it, killing it, they're just killing it, killing it, killing it. Yeah, you know, it's it seems like. This seems self-explanatory, but just build a car people want to buy, and you'll do well. <laughs> right? Just build a that's car what, people want to buy. That's what Bob Lutz said for 50 years. Agreed. And he finally yeah. made it happen when in, his, in his last years at General Motors. Yeah. Number two on the list, another Porsche, uh, the Macan, or is it Macan? Macan. The Macan, which is basically a smaller version of the Cayenne. You know what? That is a misnomer. Uh, most people think of it as it's Macan, then you step up to a Cayenne. Yeah. I would argue it's which size Porsche SUV experience do you want? Well, you sound like a manufacturer. But it's the truth because I've, I've driven them. I mean, my, my viewers know I'm a Porsche right. freak. Yeah. I've driven so many of them in so many different parts of the world in so many different configurations. You can get a Macan that's spec'd out more expensive than an expensive Cayenne. Uh, so it's really which get, one get do you want? Get a GTS with all, the, with all the bells. Oh, and no, the one to have is yeah. the GT. The GT. the GT was 630 horse, 600, yeah, 630 horse. And the chrono package. Stupid fast. <laughs> In another episode, I'm going to be beating this guy up about a certain Porsche. 
Okay. Two fair, Porsches. Fair enough. All right. And number one, obviously, it's up there again. This is now the regular Jeep Wrangler, not the Unlimited. Um, no. Okay. Uh, I, Ford, I, I think we missed, actually, we missed a bunch. Number five was the Ford Bronco, uh, and number four was the Lexus RX450H. So that's a that's very odd, popular car. Because that car is being replaced. Yeah, that, that's the most. You know that that car represents the RX at least fifty percent of all Lexus sales, right? They have like one car that everybody everyone wants. buys. And you know, yeah. when we were on the same drive, yeah. I was surprised to learn that. So most of these car companies, when they have a car, it's competitive. Like the Camry sells, they own ten percent of the market, and then the 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 Nissan owns eight percent of the market. It's a small differential in that segment. The RX, the X5, the GLE, these guys are like 10 points ahead, everybody else. I know. It's, they're killing it's, My wife they had one. Literally, they, they crap on the doorstep of every other manufacturer. Yeah, what, why? What's the magic there? I think this is the guy living in Los Angeles telling you this. I think that car is so bulletproof. It's so comfortable to drive. It's like a comfortable pair of jeans. It's also the right size. People come, and they buy it. They keep it for 20 years, they give it to their kids, and they tear another one off the roll. Yeah. So that's why this one, at the end of its built, product built life cycle... Built on a Camry originally. Built originally on a Camry, now on an Avalon. Yeah. So they um, they buy them, they're so reliable, and why screw with success so they go and get another one? I think that's why this one, at the end of its life cycle, is still selling so well. Now, I want to go back to the other one that you know more about. What Do you think the Bronco, after the virus garbage happens, goes away, and we have chips again, will the Bronco finally be below our MSRP, or is it always going to be super hard to get? Uh, once again, I think Ford doesn't make money by not building cars, so they will build to demand. And at some point, you, you, you know you, you know that they're thinking ahead that way because they just came out with like a heritage edition, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason you do editions is to create Buzz on it. Buzzing, idea. right? And, that, buzz. that, and so I think they, they, they see where it's going and mm -hmm. because they're going to crank a lot of them out. So I think it will go to MSRP and at some point it'll go. Because it's the other problem that you end up with is the, we have a Bronco. It's a great car, but it, it, you know the, the, the reality is never as good as the anticipation of what it could be, right? Unless so you, it's a 911 GT3. Fair enough. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, that's the truth. Yeah, but but you know it's 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 a it's a good car, but it's not like the second coming of Christ. You know, I agree. Yeah, so I think at some point. So at some point, you think it'll get back to reality? Yeah, and be able to walk in a dealer and say, "I'll give you twenty five out the door right now." Yeah, I think so. We never answered that question: Should people buy cars now, or should they wait? I would say wait. If you don't have to have how much more time do we have to answer that question? Uh, well, we're already at an hour, so we're actually. Five more minutes. What? What? Okay. Go for it. Um, I think this is a question of your personal uh, situation. Yeah. So if you are someone who is gainfully employed, that is in a stable company, or you are have a stable income situation, like let's say for the sake of discussion, you own a couple of apartment buildings, sure. or you 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 know you you work for relatively uh, relatively guaranteed income, relatively guaranteed income, and you have no debt. Mm -hmm. I would say it would be a great opportunity to try to find an opportunity where you can buy something at sticker or below for a car you want to keep for a while. Now, I do, I can't resist. I have to uh, espouse my Dave Ramsey beliefs. I firmly believe that one should not be buying a brand new car unless they have a net worth of a million dollars and above, meaning no debt 
And net worth of a million dollars above doesn't mean you're making a million dollars a year. It means your, house and your net worth is a million dollars and you are making money annually, whether it's from I think you just, passive income. You just bummed out we, like 95% of the people. But, this, and, but here's why I say this. We are about to get into some serious pain. Just two days ago, Jerome Powell came out not only— Chairman of the Fed. Chairman of the Fed, so 12 people that run the monetary—well, they don't necessarily run all the monetary policy. The U.S. Treasury is the one that prints the money. But the 12 governors, Board of Governors, Jerome Powell, who is the leader, they not only raised the, the rates, meaning what they loan money to each bank, they raised the rates 75 basis points— but this is the first time where he started to sound like Paul Volcker, who was the guy that got us out of the recessions of the 70s. He said, A, we're raising rates. B, we're going to raise rates again two more times at least this year, which means all the way through the end of the year. Most likely we're going to raise it another 50 basis points next month and the month after. And then here's the real kicker. He flat out said, we are going to expect job losses. Yeah, because what that does is individuals and businesses now have a much more um, – it's much more expensive for them to borrow money, basically. Much more expensive. And that leads to a couple of things. When it's expensive to borrow money, that A, means you don't have that line of credit to access, which means the guy who's running a company, a mid-sized company, is going to start putting people on the street. Or B, the companies that have been in business over the past two years, even though – the economy's been all over the place. They've raised money because of crazy markets. Now markets are going to start to get back to reality. That means these companies that have, haven't, frankly, been making any money won't be able to go to capital markets, get more money, which means people are going to be put on the street. And not just the blue-collar worker, but the white-collar, basically they call it the laptop class. The laptop class, the person who was at home for the past two and a half years that was ordering DoorDash and buying a new Lexus RX over sticker, that person is probably going to lose their job. So if you're in, if you're in a class where you're at a company that has speculative financing at best, you have a lot of personal debt within your household, I would strongly suggest you do not buy a new car at, at any price right now or a used car for that matter. There you go. That's a great answer. All right, guys. Well, we have burned through this hour and more of uh, uh, the podcast. Um, you will be back next week for the I next will. episode. Where we'll be talking more about specific car companies like Mercedes. And EVs. So make sure you go check out uh, Motoman TV. Motoman TV, all one word, and all the socials, and on YouTube. And on YouTube. Uh, and as always, head over to altfl.com for more news, views, and, of course, Motoman TV podcast. <laughs> See you guys next time. Ciao. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.